I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Last month in our podcast, we talked about history and how to teach that. And this month, we are going to talk about geography and how we approach geography. So Michelle, how do you approach geography? First of all, I teach it as a separate subject. In the United States, at least, geography is taught as part of social studies. So it's lumped together with history, mostly. Social studies is history, geography, and government, and a little bit of economics. That's what social studies is, and it's taught as one subject. But I like to separate those things out because I think that geography deserves a lot more time than it is given. Okay, so Michelle, explain this. If you're studying ancient Egypt, for example, how is that different in your mind than studying Egypt in geography? What's the differentiation? Well, the difference is that history is the study of everything that's come before. It's the story of humanity. But geography is the story of what is happening now at this moment, what is going on in the world today. It is the study of the world that we live in, the people we live around, the different countries and cultures that we interact with. And it's also the study of ourselves today. Because when you study someone else, it helps you to see yourself more clearly. And you can make comparisons yes. between the two. So yeah, geography is really the now of history in a lot of ways. And, and it, that it includes... You know, the physical geography, landforms and landscapes and biomes and all that stuff. But I actually think we spend more time focusing on the people of the world and countries and cultures than we do the physical stuff. But both are important. Well, often the physical helps shape the borders, the boundaries, you know, things exactly. like that. And so they are really interrelated. But it is pretty fascinating when you start to study the people's that currently live in the world around you. And you really begin to understand the cultures and the things that make people who they are. So I think there are four big aspects of geography and, and lots of, I mean, different people define geography different ways and the different focuses, but there are four that, that I like to focus on in my homeschool. And the first is physical geography the shapes of coastlines, the, the continents, the oceans, the landforms, the, the landforms, the mountains, the deserts, all that kind of stuff and climate. And the second thing is map making. You know, how are maps made and how do you make a map? And then how do you navigate with a map? Those are all part of geography. And then the third one is political geography, which means countries and capitals, roads, populations, that kind of stuff. And then the final one is culture. So, what is the religion of people? What is What are their holidays like? What language do they speak? What kind of clothing do they wear? You know, wh what is what are their attitudes about family or different things like that? That's that's culture. So all those are the four things that really, to me, are the different aspects of geography that I like to make sure we hit on when I'm doing our homeschooling with the kids. So by the time your kids graduate, ideally, what would they no, in an overall way. I want them to have a map of the world in their head, first of all. And that doesn't mean that they have to know exactly where every single country and capital is, but they should be very familiar 
with the whole world. If they hear Djibouti mentioned in a news article, they shouldn't be wondering where in the heck is that? I've never heard of it. They should know, oh, that's in Africa. And hopefully they know, oh, that's over on the east coast of Africa. You know, what's interesting is I've traveled a lot. I'll hear people talk about how many other people in the world know about the United States of America. But Americans know very little about most of the other countries in the world. It's because our schools do not teach geography. And and it's really kind of sad, but it's very true. But the other countries in the world have so much to offer. Then that's the second thing that I really want my kids to know. The map in their head, I think, is important for context and for understanding the world we live in. But to understand the people who are in the world is even more important. You know, to have this concept of, this person who is from Africa is going to have a completely different worldview than I do, but that's not bad. It's it's just different. And, I, and if I understand that their worldview is different, I can probably have a better conversation with that person. We can understand each other a lot more clearly than if I'm assuming that they're just like me. Because people are the same everywhere in the world, but we're also different everywhere in the world. Yeah, beyond just the country borders and, you know, that map in their head concept, I also want my kids to know other specific parts of the map. I want them to know the major deserts, the major mountain ranges. Just, it feels like part of being educated. Right. (laughs) Involves knowing those things. You should hear Andy's mountains and not be wondering, wait, wait, Andy's mountains, where is that in, is that in Maine? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you should not be thinking that. You should know it's in South America, you know? I want my kids to be able to picture the world to be familiar with the places of the world, and then also to appreciate the places and people in this world. And so that's kind of my goal. You know, before they graduate, they don't have to know every single fact, but I want them to grasp this big world and really appreciate it. Right. This morning, actually, Karen, I was listening to an audiobook with my 11, or he's 12. I keep forgetting he's 12. <laughs> They're growing a, up so fast. He had a birthday. He had a birthday. But he's, he's 12, and we were listening to this book, and it's an Amazon Audible, and it's about the space race, but not not the space race from the Cold War. It's today's space race. So it's talking about current events, SpaceX and all the stuff, you know, the future of space and how the world back then we were competing mostly with United States versus Soviet Union. And now it's more cooperative. And it's, it's interesting, but we were talking about different space bases around the world. And I mentioned the French Guiana space base where the European Union launches rockets from there. Mm-hmm. And he knew where French Guiana was. I didn't have to explain that. You know, and I think that having that basic cultural literacy, like just, just knowing that kind of stuff is important to be educated. I agree. One of the things that we do in our homeschool is do a lot of repetition with geography because the overall goal is that map in your head concept. So I very, very often have my kids run up to the big map that we have on our wall or our globe and say, okay, go point two. And I'll just throw out places and have them point. It doesn't matter if we're doing that in the unit that we're on right at that moment or not. We just are constantly reviewing and challenging and getting that map in our head through lots and lots of repetition. And I, memory work gets a really bad rap in today's educational world, but I think that's a mistake. I I think that there are some things that you really, really actually should know from memory. I realize you can look it up, 
But if you're having a conversation with someone at a party, are you going to say, just a minute, let me Google Africa to find out where it is? I mean, <laughs> I hope not. You know? And everyone will know you don't know where it is. Right. <laughs> so so there, are, there is some basic knowledge you should just have. You shouldn't have to look up everything as you're reading a book or as you're having a conversation or as you're listening to a news account. I always feel like it's a little bit conceited to not know about the other places in the world. Like, only the place you live is important. You know, we <laughs> yeah. spend a lot of time focusing on the places we live, but it's important to come to know about a lot of places. And geography is fascinating. And I think the geography rote learning is actually easy to gamify. We play Professor Noggin games and she has a lot of geography ones and we'll just play the South American one or we'll play the you know, the Africa one or the different ones. And, and the kids learn from that. And you can also have challenges and all kinds of quiz games. And it's fun. Well, and even with just a little flashcard deck, you know, people also diss flashcards a lot in homeschool. And I have a lot of flashcard decks. And just like my big book of knowledge, they become like our game bank of sorts. So I'll read a part on the flashcard and the kids have to answer the question and they get points or, you know, whatever. It's really easy to turn flashcards, puzzles, anything into a game and review geography. That's just a part of our normal homeschool, but I don't lesson plan. It's just kind of something that we incorporate. I have noticed that my kids are really proud of having mastered something. When they know every country in South America, they are proud of that. It gives them a sense of accomplishment and that is good for kids. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes in homeschool, it's a little bit hard to achieve that because they're really not competing with the other classmates like you do in school you're not better than someone so you have to have them achieve things that are you mastered this hard thing and look at how you did it mm -hmm. give them some recognition even though there's not a crowd right right well we also do a lot of hands-on geography I think that again is a really easy way to teach geography with a lot of fun it's really fun geography like history not boring it's just that we make it boring because all we do is memorize the map it needs to be beyond that you make it into a game you do crafts you learn about the culture and you eat the food there's nothing boring about eating food from all over the world when I hand my kids a recipe from somewhere and say okay this is geography today we're going to the kitchen they are so excited I know and and the funny thing is the food doesn't it's not necessarily to our palate you know, we don't necessarily like it, but it doesn't matter because you're like, wow, this is cool. This is new. This is different. I actually love that about it. My kids have eaten things that they would never eat, but because it's part of our geography study and we're learning about that country and the people, they're more accepting. They're willing to yeah. try things that normally they would shun. We, they would we, say no. <laughs> we were learning about the Caribbean and we made pepper pot, which is a very common kind of a stew-like dish that they make there. And it's pretty spicy. And we actually toned down the spices because we're wimps. <laughs> but even so, it was like, whoa, this is spicy. And it's interesting because pepper pot has sugar in it and it has spice in it. It's a different flavor combination than we would ever normally come across in our normal kind of food that we eat. And you realize that pepper pot is related to their history and where they live in the world. You know, they, they've got spicy peppers that grow really well there. And they have a history of sugar plantations. And so sugar is part of it. And part of it is like, you know, their seafood. And all of these things go into this dish that has to do with who the Caribbean people are. Mm -hmm. My kids really, really love to learn about holidays and traditions like that from other cultures too. So we do a lot of fun 
projects related to celebrations. And it's really, really easy to make a celebration fun. I I love comparing Christmas in different places around the world, for example, because that's a holiday that we do celebrate. And so to see how they do it in Australia or how do they do it in Switzerland or how do they do it in Japan? Because there are, you know, there are Christians all over the world. And so it's, it's interesting to see the differences. Yeah. You can spot the similarities and you can also see the differences. And then also to, to look at a holiday that we, in our family, we do not celebrate at all, you know, is, is interesting to see, oh, this is what these people are celebrating. This is how they do it. This is what is important to them. The, the holidays that you celebrate, that you spend time on and effort on are the things that matter to you culturally. And that says something about people. So my oldest son is living in Iceland right now. And I thought it was so awesome. <laughs> there was this family there and he was visiting with this family and they mentioned to him, hey, we have some fireworks for you. Come over and celebrate. And it was because he was visiting them on the 4th of July on on American Independence Day. And here these Icelanders had taken the time to know his holiday celebration that he was missing out on because he's not in the United States right now. And they got him fireworks for that day. How cool is that? That is really cool. So it's just neat if we realize, okay, look what they did. And we can each know about other cultures and celebrations and holidays and just appreciate and celebrate with each other. It's pretty neat. That, that is really cool because I wouldn't even expect Icelanders to be aware necessarily that the 4th of July matters to Americans. I mean, that's a very American kind of holiday. Yeah, and he didn't mention it to them. Yeah. They just that's, surprised him that's with neat. it. Really see, cool. Because they were educated enough to know about other places in the world that weren't Iceland. Mm-hmm. And we need to be that way no matter where we live. Uh-huh. Be aware of other people. You know what else we do that's really fun? We watch videos of dances from other places. And a lot of dances, there will be, someone will have made a tutorial. And you can just do the tutorial on watching it on YouTube, you know? Yeah, we are terrible, but we try. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're terrible too. But but we did the haka from New Zealand. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That is so much fun. And there, there's a video on YouTube of this kid doing the haka and teaching it. It's, it's great. And it was really fun. Just like the dances, I also think that it's really fun to listen to music from other cultures, too. Often that goes along with the dances, but it's really neat to hear the different music from around the whole world. Yeah, the traditional music. And it's interesting because when you hear it, you think, oh, that sounds sort of like something from my culture, but it's not quite the same. And and it's it's just it's just fun to hear how everywhere in the world people are joyful. And they show that through their dance and their music and those kinds of things. Along with the crafts and the dances and the food and all of those things, we also really, really love to read traditional stories from other countries. Reading fairy tales, folk tales, myths, any traditional stories from other countries is really, really enlightening to see the values and the beliefs of the people that live there. I think that's what cult learning cultures around the world is really about is learning. When you learn about their holidays, when you learn about their stories or their dances, you learn what's important to those people because the things that you spend time on in your life, the things that your culture builds are the things that matter to you as a culture. And that helps you to understand other people. So the fun parts of geography are also the educational parts at the same time. And if you miss out on that, on the fun stuff, you're missing out on, I think, the point. You're missing out on really getting to know people from other places. 
Yeah. So Michelle, beyond in the classroom, what do you do for real geography experiences? We've talked about how we get to know other places through crafts and stories and watching videos and things like that. But if you actually go somewhere else, that is even better. <laughs> so our, our family hasn't traveled around the world. We don't have the resources to go fly off to Europe or go to Asia very often and things like that. Karen does. I'm, I'm married to a pilot. So <laughs> that helps. <laughs> we might travel the world sometimes. <laughs> so, but we do take our kids on family trips and usually they're, you know, less than 800 miles away, maybe a thousand miles. We live in the United States and distances are enormous here. So, so for us, a trip that isn't that far might be a thousand miles, but <laughs> it's a pretty good trip, but the, especially cause you're road tripping. We road trip. Yeah. So, but as you, even if it's within your own country, you're going to a new town, you're meeting different people, you're seeing different sites. It helps your kids get out of their comfort zone. It helps them to start to know other places. It makes them less afraid of the rest of the world. If your children never leave your little town, they start to feel a sense of otherness about the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And we want them to feel a sense of ex exploration about the rest of the world. So as you mentioned, we have traveled quite a bit. We've been to a lot of places around the world, and it's been a huge blessing in our lives to have our kids experience diverse cultures. In fact, my husband's favorite places to go are places that are as different from our experience as we can. You know, he doesn't want to go to a country that's kind of like where we live. Canada. Yeah, we, we, have, love, we love Canada. We have there been, very much. <laughs> we have been to Canada. We <laughs> yeah. went there just this past year. But we like to go to places that are really culturally different, geographically different. And that's been really fascinating as we've traveled around the world. But even in more simple ways, we take geography outside. This past school year, we had an awesome geography expedition that we went on. We were learning about rivers. And so I just gathered up our library books and we went down to a river that's just, oh, it's probably two miles from our house. And I just sat the kids down right by the river and we read our books and talked about the river. And it was just fascinating to be there when we were reading about it, the kids had so many more questions than I think they would have ever asked if we didn't just take a few minutes and go down to the river to talk about it. You know what else we do that's very simple? I have my kids help navigate. So when we're driving someplace in the car, I have them practice north, south, east, and west. And I have them practice reading a map and telling me, do I turn right or left? And they have to tell me, you know, so that they start to notice the world and how to navigate either with a map or with GPS or whatever your navigation system is. They become more aware. Yeah. And I want them to be able to know how to get from the store to home. You know, that's a, that's a life <laughs> skill. But, but I also want them to just understand spatially which way is north and that south is opposite. You know, I want them to understand the, those kinds of things. And I think that having them actually practice it in the real world does that far better than any worksheet could ever do. Well, and sometimes if you can't actually travel you can travel online in really effective ways. We've watched some amazing travel documentaries. We went to Bali a few years ago and had an incredible time visiting that people and you know learning about their culture. And then we came home and watched a couple of documentaries about it after. And it was really, really neat to see how the documentary captured what we experienced there. And it so, probably added to it too. It did. Because you can't possibly experience everything. No. And there are incredible, especially when it comes to travel, there are some really interesting, fun to watch travel documentaries that 
your whole family will enjoy. And you can really explore a place that you can't physically get to because of, you know, time or money or distance or whatever. I mean, nobody has enough time to visit every place in the world anyway. So, well, and it's really neat. It's almost like you have a tour guide yeah. because they often have a knowledgeable narrator who's telling you about the things that you're seeing. So in some ways you can learn more than if you. Right. And and they go to all of the historical places and they go to the obscure places and they talk to the locals. And so it's, it's interesting. So when you travel, Karen, don't you think that it helps you to put that place in context? Like you, you start to see how is this place like where we live and how is it different? How are the people like us? How are they different? And you start to compare things to where you live. So we had a really cool experience with this a few years ago. My last name is Lautzenheiser. It's a mouthful. It's very, very difficult. But we decided that we wanted to take the kids to Lautzenhausen, Germany, which is where the Lautzenheiser family came from. And that was an amazing experience that we had. It's this little tiny town in northern Germany. And so we went and explored Lotzenhausen, and it was awesome. But as we did it, we were reading stories from our family history to the kids. So they're learning about our family members. And actually, some of our family members kind of were kicked out of the town. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They they were a little naughty. (laughs) But anyway, as we're reading these stories about people in our family from history and then learning why they came to America and then also what it would be like if we lived there today. What would your life be like? How would it be different if, if the you family were, hadn't immigrated? Yeah, if we were Lautzenheisers in Lautzenhausen, which it probably wouldn't be pronounced Lautzenheiser. I'm positive that that was Americanized. <laughs> but, but anyway, it was really fascinating. And I discovered we need to do that more often. More often when we're studying geography, we need to say, what would it be like if we lived there today? What would your life be like? How is it different because of where we live? How do we see things differently? And it was a really valuable lesson for me in, hey, we need to make sure that as we learn geography, we're constantly exploring that because it's interesting. I also think we mentioned this a little bit before, but when you're studying geography, it's about real places in the real world and all of the events and all of the discoveries and everything, every other subject happens in a place on earth. Mm-hmm. Although maybe in the future it will be on Mars, but anyway. <laughs> and lots of other places. Let's not limit ourselves to Mars. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, so when you're, when you're reading about something from science and you're reading about a scientist who had a great discovery, I mean, you can go look up that place on a map. You know, where did Lavoisier work? Well, he was in France, you know, and so you can find France on the map and here's Paris and here's where they cut off his head. So (laughs) the whole thing, the whole thing is geography too. We often talk about context and that's really true. You can make connections across the school subjects with geography because everything that happened happened somewhere. It happened in a place. Exactly. And among a people, among a culture. And it's a really fun way to review constantly without having it be a huge lesson planning event you just exactly have your kids go find it on a map real quick right you you find where did this artist paint what was the country or, or what this scene that he painted is in Tahiti let's go find Tahiti on a map you know you can you can do that with every subject and then let's watch a YouTube video and do a dance from Tahiti right <laughs> <laughs> you can throw things in because just for fun, fun. <laughs> so I do think though that geography deserves to be a full subject and not just tossed in with history as an afterthought 
even though you can connect it to every other subject, it still needs to be taught fully as its own subject because there's so much and it is so, so important to understand the world that we live in today. Well, increasingly, we have an ever-connected world, more so than ever in the past. I remember when we were growing up, Michelle, if we watched the news, it was mostly focused on the local news. And then you would have... I don't know, a few minutes that were, here's the world news. Do you right. remember that? And maybe that's partly American too. I, I hear it is. It but. probably <laughs> is. But that's less so now than it was in the past. More and more, I hear about local news stories from lots of places, from lots of localities, even from other countries. Right. And there's a lot bigger section that is world news. And if you are exploring the news on the internet, you can look up news from anywhere and find things out. We are very connected now. And it's important for us to have knowledge and context of this world so that as we're making those connections, we can understand the stories that are happening. We can understand this world that we live in. Right. Because if you're talking about a country that has a very different outlook on the way society is structured, which many do. In the United States, we're really individualistic. And if you live here, you maybe don't even realize that. But we are so focused on the individual here, like hyper-focused on individuals to the exclusion of everything else. And most cultures around the world are not that way. And I think if we try to talk to another country or talk to a person from another country and they're not coming from that same individualistic point of view, we're going to have a really hard time even understanding each other. So we visited China a few times and it's been really interesting as we've come to know Chinese people to see their value system and how it is far more based on the society than on the individual. So they believe that what is good for society will benefit individuals. We believe that what is good for individuals will benefit society. So it's just a completely opposite viewpoint, but neither is wrong, neither is right. It's just a different way to view things. Those differences affect the daily life of individuals living in that culture. It affects the way they see things. It affects what they do day to day. It affects their goals and their family structures. Everything is affected by that one very fundamental difference. And if we can understand those differences by studying other cultures, we can have a lot better dialogues with people from around the world. Well, understanding and appreciating the other people who live in our connected world is the best first step to getting along with each other. We need to focus on that. So one of the things that makes this happen in the homeschool environment is that you're having discussions with your kids. And that is one of the reasons that I like to do homeschool and geography with our whole family together because we have all different ages and we have all different points of view. People are coming from, even though we're all in the same family, we're coming from a different perspective. And so when we have a discussion, we bring up things that a lot of people wouldn't. And we, the discussion is possible because we're all learning about the same thing together at the same time. Yeah. I often call it learning out loud. I don't do a lot of lesson planning, but I do ask my kids a ton of questions. We have a ton of discussions. We read things and talk about them all of the time. And because we're doing it as a family, there's a ton of really fun contribution that happens. A lot of different points of view, a lot of different ideas. And, you know, we're, we're used to the idea of graded schools where only children of the, of the same age are learning together. And 
the truth is that you can have all ages learning about the Maasai people of Africa and everybody is fascinated by it. Everybody is learning something. Your 14 year old is probably getting different information than your six year old, even while you're watching the same documentary, but you're both getting something. They're both getting something out of it. So it's possible to do this all together as a family. You can read a book together. You can do a project together. Well, and Michelle, last month as we were talking about learning history as a family, we discussed how we watch videos together, do projects together, even have the same writing assignments, but just a little bit leveled differently. And that same thing applies to geography. When you do family school, you all get to learn about the same topics and be very, very cooperative. And yet you each get to contribute in your own ways and come away with some of your own leveled learning. Yeah, and I want to just kind of step aside for a moment and just talk about how the levels work in layers of learning because we've had quite a few questions about that. So in the books, we have these little smiley faces and there's a yellow smiley face for the youngest kids. And this is essentially six years old through about nine years old. And then we have a little uh, green smiley face for the middle grades, which is you know probably 10 or 11 until you hit about 13. And then there's a blue smiley face that goes for the high school. And that's 14 and up through through graduation. And so those smiley faces are kind of a guide as to which of these explorations or books will appeal to this age of kids. And a lot of the explorations, we have all three smiley faces on. And, and others, we have just one or two of the smiley faces on. And the reason that we did those is so that you can kind of aim right at those you can skip you know if you've only got little kids you can skip the ones that are just the blue smiley face you can ignore those and and move on to the ones that are just your little kids but when we were planning those we thought in our heads okay if I had only a six-year-old would I do this activity with my six-year-old and if the answer was no then it did not get a yellow smiley face so even though it does something doesn't have a yellow smiley face it's actually possible to do it with that age group if you make a few adjustments in a lot of cases. So Michelle, can I ask you something? How do you teach the tough topics in geography? You mean like some of the disturbances that are going on around the world or some of the practices that we don't agree with? Well, I mean, look at any difficult current events. It can be tough to know how and when or even if to present those to your kids? I think it can be. And I, th- I think this is this is tricky because I think it depends on the kid. Some kids are a lot more sensitive than others. I mean, there are some children that I would not talk about forced sterilization that happens in some places in the world with some of my children at their different ages. But I do think that by the time your child is 16, they're ready for even the toughest things. They need to be. You have to be able in those last couple years of school to talk with your kids about what is going on in the world that is really difficult. You know, you can talk with them about the Palestine-Israeli conflict and you can discuss both sides and you can look at it from both points of view. You can even do something like have a debate over it, you know, a mock debate about the topics. And that's important to do with older kids, but I agree that it's really hard to know exactly when do we talk about terrorism or when do we talk about the sex trade? You know, and that is happening everywhere in the world. When do we talk about modern slavery? There are slaves all over the world. And we sort of think, oh, yay, we abolished slavery. It's over. It's not over. But 
our kids should know about that by the time they're 18. You know, by the time they graduate from your homeschool, they should, maybe not every single thing that's happening in the world, but they should realize that the world we live in isn't all happy, happy rainbows. Because if we want our children to fix those things in the future, they're going to have to be aware of it and they're going to have to have multiple perspectives on it. They're going to have to understand economically why things are happening. They're going to have to understand socially why things are happening because people aren't just like, Hey, I'm going to be evil today. That's not what's going on. And, and geography helps you to address those things. You can see what is happening in a culture from the inside and talk about it. So Karen, whether it's those tough topics or just a place that you feel like you don't know about, how do you approach that when you're teaching geography with your kids? How do you deal with it when you're the one that you're like, I don't know about this? Well, I will say this. It was a huge relief to me when I decided that I was not going to be the teacher in our homeschool anymore, but I was going to be a learner with my kids. When I kind of shoved off the concept that we're not going to learn about that because I don't know yet. And said, hey, let's learn about this together. It changed everything for me. We started to turn on a YouTube video that I hadn't seen before because I didn't have time. Or read a book that I didn't have time to preview ahead of time. We just started to jump in and learn things together and be fascinated together. And I didn't have to feel like an expert in order to teach every single thing. I actually do that too. Even if it's a subject I know about... I will usually rely on someone else to be the expert. You know, someone who has put together a script and made a video is going to have their facts all straight when I might get the date wrong or forget somebody's name or leave out an important thing. And so to have it in someone else doing the lecture, essentially, someone else presenting the information, whether it's a book or a video, is really effective, I think. I think you also are getting to model for your kids what you're asking them to do. We tell people all the time, oh, we want to raise lifelong learners. But then we say we have to know everything and be prepared for the lesson plan. No, you're a lifelong learner. You're still in that boat. So we just get to be learners together. And we don't have to be perfect at teaching in order to learn with our kids. So geography doesn't have to be scary. Even if you can't name all of the countries in South America, you can teach your kids to name all the countries in South America. And by the end, you will be able to do it too. (laughs) Yep, you will know them as well. So just jump in. Let's talk schedules with geography. Now, I personally teach geography every year all the time, just like I do history. But I think this is a subject that if you don't have time in your schedule, you could cut that back to maybe one semester a year or every other year and it'd be okay. We do it just like our history. I've mentioned that I do geography two days a week. It shares our history day. So Monday and Wednesday, we do history and geography. And that has worked really well in our family because it just lets us do it often enough that we're constantly reviewing and having it be a part of our homeschool. But it's not every single day where I feel like we have a time crunch. I like the longer time on fewer days. We just do it once a week and we, we do one subject per day. So on Tuesdays, we do geography. That helps me because I know every Tuesday that that's going to be the lesson. It just, it just adds that little bit of structure that I need, but I still have a lot of flexibility. Like within on that Tuesday, we might spend half an hour doing a map and that's it for geography if we had a rough, hectic day or math took a lot longer or whatever. You know, we've got an appointment in the afternoon or we might spend two hours doing a much more involved craft. We read a book, then we do the craft together 
and then we'll do a review game about the places that we've already learned before, you know, that, that becomes a, a longer lesson. So that's how we do it. Yeah. I feel like if I were crunched for time and I didn't give myself enough time for the geography lesson, we would never make the recipe. We would never create a costume. You know, we would never learn the dance because you would feel like, oh, we just have to learn the facts and move on. Right. And it allows you to be more interactive and hands-on when you give yourself a little bit of extra time. As far as time goes, we spend more of our time on actually doing projects than probably anything else in geography. Although, just like with history, we often will be watching a travel video while we are making a craft or... Or discussing, talking, reading a book. Yeah. Yeah, a ton of our learning happens during the project. I think if you didn't do that, it would feel like that project took a lot of time and it didn't teach us enough. But actually, you're learning a whole bunch of things and then the project allows it to be memorable. That's how we approach it. Yeah. And I think there's less reading to do in geography than there is in other subjects. You know, we don't usually assign a lot of reading about geography. Like Instead, outside reading. Right. Like outside reading. Instead, most of my kids' outside reading is spent on history. And then a little bit on science, a little bit on geography, and a little bit on art. But we do spend a little bit of time reading. Usually we'll read together because it's a shorter like little book about geography. I will read picture books about a place in the world to all of my kids because that's just the right length. That's that's just a little taste of it. And then we watch a video that's longer and we do a project that dives in a little deeper into one aspect. We also use our children's atlases quite a bit. Yeah, they have, they a, lot have a lot of little tidbits and facts. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we do read, but yeah, not as much as history because you're not getting, you're not diving into the stories in the same way. Right, it's it's a different subject. So yeah. it doesn't, history is stories, that's what it is. And geography is more cultures and what's happening right now in the world. So current events. So I teach the subjects of geography and I hit all of my four major topics. I hit physical landscapes, I hit map making, I hit political borders and countries, and I hit culture all while doing these projects. And I don't necessarily like compartmentalize it in my mind as I'm teaching. I don't go, oh, well, today I need to make sure that we hit on all these different things. I just put a whole variety of stuff in there. You know, we do a craft that is a map of a place. And then the next week we might do a craft that is more cultural. It's about a holiday or something. And I just sort of hit them as I'm going through to make sure that we cover all of the different aspects of places around the world. Yeah. And then you add to that repetition of, of always reviewing all of those places that you've learned about and making connections and kind of putting that map in your head, like we talked about, so that you always have a picture of this world and the places in it and where the people live. And pretty soon you feel like a global citizen instead of just somebody who only knows your place and your culture and your town. And you're doing this as a family. It's a lifestyle thing. So part of geography, I mean, I don't sit there and go, oh, for geography this year, we're going to take a trip to, you know, but we do family vacations and it's, it's part of our lifestyle. And to me, I do think, well, part of educating my children is taking them to see other places and to have experiences around the world, or at least around our country, you know, as far as we can manage to travel. So having it be that family school and having those family experiences allows you to have discussions and to get in more deep. You know, you mentioned that you don't plan vacations for that, but I feel like our geography studies have changed our vacations. Yeah, I think that's kind of true. 
I mean, you would probably be doing the vacation anyway, but you're doing it differently than you would have. I remember when we went to Washington, D.C., and my kids still tease me because when I saw the key to the best deal that was presented to Washington, I cried. <laughs> I was sitting there crying and they were laughing at me. But we had read that story together and, you know, it just amazes me how it has enhanced our trips because we've learned about the places that we go see. We've talked about it. We've explored it. Like I mentioned with Lotzenhaus in Germany, we could have gone to Germany and done completely different things. But because we cared about that, because we had taken the time to learn about it, it changed our trip. And I think no matter where you go, whether it's sitting by the bank of the river that you're learning about or, you know, to a different country or a different wherever you're going, you kind of approach it more deeply when you've studied it in a geographical context. I think it also changes what you do at home after you come back from the trip. Your geography studies change your trip and your trip changes your geography studies. Because when you've gone someplace else, you realize these are the important things about places, not just necessarily the place you went, but, but all places. This is what matters. This is what we should be focusing on. Yeah. Isn't that the goal that it changes you? I think that's the goal of education in general and geography in particular should change us from having a very close view of just our own immediate environment to having a worldwide view of everybody and everything. And to me, it's, it's fascinating. It's fun. It's endlessly interesting to study the geography of the world. Yeah. You really begin to appreciate this world and its people. And it can make a huge difference, not just in your homeschool, but in your whole life. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.